This is the Straight Dope, episode 31. Sight picture. As I go through the fundamentals of marksmanship, I look to sources to see where the common threads are and what are considered classic fundamentals. And it's pretty hard to narrow it down to a few standard elements that have to be applied in order for you know appropriate and consistent shot placement. But in that search, I came across a very thorough document that I talked about a few episodes ago, and that's the Combat Marksmanship Coaches course through the Marine Corps. And although it's much more detailed and involves much more than classic fundamentals, I think as a, as a reference to things that are involved with that and a guideline for talking about things that influence a person's ability to shoot, uh, it's, it's amazing. And while I don't necessarily agree uh, with, with, with some things, I'm, I'm happy to discuss them because I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. And I'm also happy to kind of highlight how once you get through the fundamentals, you need to start adapting your understanding of them. And I did point out, and I will stand by the comment, that uh, the Marine Corps has an amazing track record of producing very competent riflemen. So this works. And... Clearly, uh, there's something successful about following these guidelines. And rather than just read that, though, I, you know, and, and you listen to this podcast because you want to hear me thinking about getting out of a box rather than rather than staying in it. So I'm going to talk about the things that I'm working on and testing, and then hopefully hear back from you. One amazing thing that happened in the last few weeks is actually one of the authors of this document reached out. Turns out he's a listener to the podcast gave me some positive feedback and offered to always be a resource to ask questions to directly. And I liked being able to go to the horse's mouth for this. And that was one of those things that, that just felt really good to have somebody reach out who was responsible for writing this document. And, um, and that, that, that's pretty badass. Before I get into that, though, I do want to remind you, because I haven't for a couple episodes, that if you like the podcast and you want to support it, that right now the best way to do that is to go to riflecraft.com and subscribe to Riflecraft for what would be a couple drinks a month. You support the podcast and you get higher level analytics as well as other, other features uh, that are above and beyond the free version. And, and, and even if you don't want to subscribe, use the free version. You want to log your marksmanship because looking back, you'll have a source and a track record of quantifiable data for your shooting fundamentals. And I think that, that if we're going to shoot at distance or we're going to shoot at anything, it's good to have a record of data about your shooting fundamentals. And this is a free way to log that online so you don't lose papers and all that stuff. So upside to that. But if you really like it, go and subscribe to riflecraft.com and start logging your riflecraft targets. You can also go to the store. We've got three shirts there now. There's more shirts coming and some other things coming to the store there. And um, just go check it out. Check out the website and see what you like about it, what you don't like, and then give me feedback and we might be able to add more features. I've also been collecting interviews that I'm going to put on the subcast and that's accessible to subscribers and when it launches I'll probably put you know the first five or ten minutes kind of like what what some other podcasts do for subscription level um, stuff to, to kind of give you a taste of, of how I'm gonna 
do that differently. Uh, but but anyway, let's get let's get back to the uh, fundamentals of marksmanship and talk about sight picture. Now, sight picture in this uh, combat marksmanship coaches course it, it falls under aiming, and th- this document uh, utilize it, it looks like they have some sort of a um, uh, uh, they're using a specific optic when, when they when they wrote this, and so um, but the idea is that you're placing the reticle pattern in relation to the thing that you're aiming at. And, and here they say, sight picture, uh, picture is the placement of the reticle pattern in relation to the target. And they're using a bullet drop compensator, but the idea is that you have a clear picture of your target and a clear picture of the ruler that's in there, regardless of the reticle type, there's going to be something that indicates that you're pointing straight at your target and, and that, um, or, you know, you, you could have adjusted the elevation and so on and so forth, but you need to be able to account for where you intend the bullet to go. And that's your sight picture. Now it sounds very simple, but if you've ever shot a pistol, you've probably heard someone say that if you focus on the front sight rather than the target itself, you'll have more consistent and more repeatable shot placement. Now, as an as a introduction to pistol shooting, that's a very good way to go about it because you can't focus on the rear sight simultaneously with the front sight, simultaneously with the thing that you're aiming at. And so to make sure that the pistol is aimed forward and you're not disturbing it in any odd direction... If you focus on the front sight, you still have a peripheral fuzzy picture of the thing that you're pointing at, and that allows you to deliver a more consistent shot placement. Now, a lot of people want to look at the target itself, and the introduction of a red dot, a reflex sight, has allowed people to keep their eyes focused on the things that they're shooting at and put that there. With a rifle scope, you can focus on the target and you can focus the reticle such that when uh, you remove the difference between the two, and that's why I'm just going to call parallax, when, you, when, when your rifle scope is properly adjusted and you've accounted for um, the ocular lens and the reticle and the sight, uh, the, 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 the focus of the, the target, and you've removed parallax, then you can essentially focus on both at the same time. And I do think that that is a source of error with riflecraft at 100 yards because inside somewhere around 300 yards and in, parallax is a big deal. Outside of that, uh, using the parallax knob, to my understanding, is simply just a focus tool. But inside of 300 yards, if you don't have that parallax removed, you can probably have about an inch at 100 yards of error, and that inch may or may not uh, prevent you from achieving your particular goals. It'll certainly prevent you from achieving the best rifle craft number that you can get at the moment. And uh, but I think that that uh, is worth pointing out. Now I'm going to stop and back up a sec so that then we can move forward a little better. What comes to mind when when I talk about this is what what these guys are referring to is sight alignment. And I'm just going to read their paragraph. Sight alignment is the relationship between the reticle pattern and a full field of view as seen by the shooter. And so sight alignment in this case is putting the crosshairs or whatever you are uh, measuring with in the center of that circle of the optic 
and you want to have that lined up on the thing that you're shooting at. Now, sight alignment can be thrown off by parallax. Sight alignment can be thrown off by uh, not paying attention to where that stuff is, for sure. And awareness is a big part of sight picture. And I'm going to focus on awareness more than some of those technical details because I think that when it comes to awareness, that would be my hunch as to what people are screwing up the most. And I'm going to fall back a little bit to carbines and pistols as well as rifle shooting and talk about my observations uh, personally when it comes to this. Now, with pistol shooting, most of us learn front sight picture and you're going to focus on the front sight. But when you're thinking really hard about the thing that you're going to be engaging in, it's very easy to forget that you're going to focus on the front sight and you revert back to a blurry picture. Sometimes that's good enough, but sometimes you actually have to be able to focus on that front sight to be able to hit precisely and accurately. And that comes down to conscious awareness. And so sight picture to me is what are you consciously aware of? And that doesn't necessarily mean it's on the forefront. You're not thinking, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. But the data that's coming in isn't lost to background noise. And 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 so I'm going to kind of dive into that concept a little bit deeper than I've heard other people addressed. Background noise, you know, you, right now, everything that has an audible signal, you can hear, but you might not be able to register it right now, right? If, you, if you've ever practiced meditation or, or, or heard people describe some of those techniques, it's that, you know, if you sit there and start listening, you can hear the wall vibrating and the machines in your house and you can hear cars drive by and airplanes and all sorts of noises, but you, you tend to tune those out. And with sight picture, I think that we're only able to take in and register certain levels of data based on our skill level and what we've been told to pay attention to. Some of the things that we've been told to pay attention to help at first, but then they need to be unwritten in order to take up more information. For example, I had a conversation with John Pinch recently where we both shot a stage and he was able to outshoot me because he was taking in more information, even though we both had what I would call a good sight picture. And I, I can't tell what he saw, but we you know, I would imagine that we both broke our shots with the reticle, dialed appropriately, and held on to the target or held the appropriate amount of wind for the shot that we were going to take. Now, I was focused on the target. I, I had a clear, crisp image of the reticle and the target, and I broke my shot. But what he was able to do is, in that sight picture, see there was a mirage shift that I didn't see, and I missed the target. Now, when it comes to sight picture, he had a better sight picture because he was receiving more data. And I want to get him to talk about it uh, directly. But I consider that information sight picture. And some of that sight picture comes from your awareness and training your awareness to know what important information might be to your shot and what important information you can utilize in that shot process. Which leads me to a bullet in this Marine Corps document to, uh, uh, you know, element four. Uh, what is this for? For target acquisition, which is shooting adjustments. Shooting adjustments 
are going to be, you know, your elevation and windage turrets if you're doing that, as well as magnification. It's not unusual for shooters when they're starting to be on high power because, you know, you want to have the biggest image of the thing that you're shooting at. It makes sense. Like emotionally, intellectually, to me, it makes sense that if you're starting to shoot and you have this giant telescope on a rifle, why not just crank it up to max? And as people get more comfortable with shooting and more comfortable in the field, and, and as a field shooter, that, that's what I'm exposed to and think more and more about, I found that it, my, my magnification goes down and down and down and down. And I find myself typically shooting around 10 power. In 10 power, when I'm looking for targets, I have a big field of view, and it's not unlike my binoculars. So I'm looking around with my binoculars. When I get on my rifle, the sight picture looks an awful lot like the binoculars. And... The reticle on a first focal plane scope now is is very small, but I'm still able to pay attention to those subtensions so that I can make the appropriate wind adjustments if I'm holding wind or measuring the target in terms of shooter bracket, and and I'm able to dial and 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 do what's necessary on that low power. And it takes a little bit of practice, especially if you're shooting, for the most part, like I do at a hundred yards on paper. When you go to distance. And you see a target, and, you know, it still looks pretty small when you're on 10x. The tendency to be on high power introduces a lot of environmental uh, variables and, and um, technical issues with getting on target. And so if you're going to get on target quickly, having it on low power makes sense. You get the reticle on the target quickly. And that's where being able to th- have a throw lever uh, on, your, on your scope, I've seen a lot of shooters they put it on low power, you know, 10 or 5x, get on target, and then zoom in afterwards. But if you're on 20x, 25x, 30 or, or more, it can be very challenging to get on target quickly because you're zoomed in on too small of a space. And it's very difficult with your uh, non-optic eye to get on as quickly uh, as you would on low power. Some people put a red dot over their scope so they can get the red dot on target and then drop in. And that might allow them to be on higher power. But environmentally, it's challenging in, in a lot of terrain. And there aren't clear indicators that are always there to allow you to get that sight picture quickly. Then, because you're looking through so much air, and there's a lot happening in that air, and there's temperature variations, it's not unusual on high power to zoom in on this this optical effect that, that we call mirage. And so if you're on high power, sometimes that mirage is exacerbated and it makes your image less clear, or at least less, uh, it makes, it, it gives you too much information, right? That, that, that makes the target harder to see and you can get away with that and get a little bit of less mirage disturbance by going back to lower power magnification. So you can get your reticle centered up on your target and you can make those appropriate adjustments. Now, here's the thing. At some point, you you kind of want that Im- environmental information, and so once you get good at getting on target fast, getting all that, get the clear sight picture. Some people are actually going in a little bit higher so that they do get that environmental feedback to see those subtle variations in mirage, in wind and vegetation disturbances. But that has to come after because if you're paying attention to that at first. Uh, there are a lot of things that are easier to overlook that have to happen beforehand. And 
So I think that in terms, if you know, if I was going to write out a checklist, I would say, you know, teach the shooter to shoot on low power first, get on target, do all that stuff. Once they can demonstrate that proficiency, then they can start to fine tune their adjustments by going on high power. But it'll, it'll be a slower progression if you try to do it on high power versus doing it on low power and then kind of slowly introduce and inoculate your skill with the feedback of higher and higher magnification into those adjustments. I mentioned it in a prior episode, but having scope shadow is often encouraged with shooters that are starting to be introduced to it because if you have a perfect ring of scope shadow, and it's minimized, but it's there so that you can see it, you can kind of negate the effects of improper parallax. And while that's only the case at close range, it allows you to test your consistent building of position such that if you're always building it and when you drop into your scope, you see a nice ring that's consistent scope shadow, you know that you're building a consistent position time and time again. And we can see that on paper and it's something that you can test without even shooting. If you're just dry firing, when you get on there and you drop into your scope, is it perfect ring of scope shadow or not. And if you've taken that out of your optic, you won't be able to have that feedback. And training yourself to look for different levels of feedback through your sight picture can give you an advantage as you grow as a shooter. And that's something that that I've been making lists of. Things that I can check through my sight picture and through my optic to remind me that it's, it's, it's good and and that I'm getting the information that I need to make the best informed decision on whether to shoot or not, uh, that, that scope shadow to me is a part of that process still at the moment because I, I, I get obsessive about building and breaking consistent positions. If you're just testing position consistency, that scope shadow will actually be the thing that's telling you whether you're building it consistently or not. Because if you get on and there's inconsistent scope shadow, you're inconsistently building that position. Right? To me, that is a sight picture element that falls back onto that conscious awareness and feedback that you're getting. But you need to process it and understand, yes, I got that check. If you see something and you don't make that conscious check and that feedback isn't going in, then it's just background noise and you're not actually growing and and learning from the data that you're receiving. If you just get a sight picture and shoot, but you didn't register the information that's on your checklist, that's not intelligent kind of building of skill. Uh, you know, it just happens to be there and it's not a part of your shop process and it kind of needs to be uh, readdressed. Um, if, if, the, if the reticle and the eye relief aren't properly adjusted, it can also strain your eye over time. And so doing these build and break drills will tell you without shooting whether you're getting that eye strain because you'll be able to feel that after a day of shooting. And that goes into this list of sight picture elements that we should be thinking about and using as feedback as we kind of check off those consciously available pieces of data that build our confidence in in, in our shot process leading towards breaking the shot. So what are things that we can work on and think about? I don't, I don't know what you can work on and think about, but let's back up and say, are you consciously aware of, of these elements? When you present onto a target, 
can you see your reticle and your target clearly once you've focused it with the parallax knob or eliminated parallax if it's inside a 300? Are you aware of the width and the, the dimensions of the target with respect to whether you're shooting mil or MOA? Can you say this is 0.6 mils wide, 0.4 mils tall, and understand what that means in terms of your shooter number and your wind call ability and how much budget that you have. Are you aware of scope shadow and is it perfectly uh, concentric around the field of view? How much wobble is built into your position and is that influencing your ability to make a good decision? If you're zoomed way out, Usually, that reduces the, the, um, the effects of, of wobble perceptually on a lot of people, if it's a decent-sized target, and it reduces the effect of mirage. But what that doesn't allow you to do is tune in a little bit higher. Now, now for somebody without higher-level skills, I think it's probably better to back out so you see less wobble so that you don't anticipate your shot because you want to break a clean shot with even wobble, not try to time your shot. Because if you time it, you're going to most likely flinch as you're ready to shoot. And the effects of, um, uh, what, am I, what am I calling it? The effects of mirage are exacerbated with higher levels of magnification. Now, if you're doing all of that great, some of that feedback you might want to be able to control. And the Closer in that you zoom, you'll be able to get feedback from the mirage itself as to very subtle changes in wind. And if you're trying to get a, a much more accurate and much more precise shot, that may allow you to do that based on your wind hold. Also might allow you to, to play with your ability to relax and remove some of the wobble from the position that you're in. But again, you don't want to have to anticipate that shot, I don't think. And so you want to have it at a level where you're not likely going to induce errors. And you got to play around with that a little bit. And lastly, once you've broke the shot, where is your attention and what are you focusing on? I think that that is still a part of sight picture, even though it goes into the follow-through. There's sight picture that layers into all of the other fundamentals. I think all of the fundamentals basically overlap each other and they're elements of conscious awareness that we need to be tuned into such that before you break the shot, have you reduced wobble? Have you held the appropriate subtension or dialed the appropriate subtension that you might need? Can you see the target? Can you see the reticle? Are you getting environmental feedback that's registering consciously? And after the shot, can you measure the distance traveled by the reticle on recoil and yet maintain a conscious awareness of the target such that you're getting feedback either of where the bullet hit on the target or the bullet hit off the target so that you could measure it very quickly and reverse calculate what you need to do. Now, if time is a consideration like at a competition, it's just simply correct the difference between where the bullet went to where you want it to go, which can happen very fast. But then being able to reverse calculate what was the difference in wind speed, where did the bullet go, was it high, was it low, was it left, was it right, and, and then give yourself quantifiable data that you can use to inform your next shots 
that's all important and that all comes from proper sight picture and the ability to maintain it, maintain focus and awareness of the data that's coming through the scope to you in an informed way. You can't just take the shot and say, yeah, all that stuff was there when I shot. Like, you know, sometimes I think it's easier to talk about this with a pistol because if you, if you, if you present the pistol and you're looking at the target, you know, the pistol's in front of you and the target's in front of you and you shoot, but the bullet doesn't necessarily go where you want it to go, even though the sight was there and your eyes and nervous system probably saw it, it didn't consciously register. And you can see differences in levels of skills of shooters with, with pistols in, in, in how they approach taking a shot at various distances and what type of sight picture they're using to do that. And I think we can learn a lot from pistol shooters in terms of movement and mechanics as well as sight picture and the feedback that we're getting from that. Because dynamically up close, a lot of high-end shooters are actually aiming with the base plate, not the, not the reticle um, or the, the iron sights or, or the dot. It's simply being consciously aware of the fact that they're going to hit that target when this object presents itself between me and my target. And, and I'm not a competitive pistol shooter, but, but uh, so, so you could correct me if I'm wrong, but, but up close, the level of sight picture is different than the level of sight picture for a long, precise, and accurate shot because you're, you know what's required in order to hit the target and I'm only talking about knowing that you're going to hit a target. What you know? What's the least amount of input that you need so that you can get other types and other varieties of input that'll also inform your ability to accomplish that task? Because what you're trying to do is hit the target and get feedback and move and as efficiently and precisely as possible. If you're shooting at four feet, it's going to be really slow to focus on the front sight and you may not need to. And so the concept is going to change. And I think that, that that will probably be an element with long-range shooting in the future when we're shooting smaller targets and we have a much more uh, complicated course of fire. And if we think about it now and the types of data that we're trying to get feedback from that could influence the shot, you know, maybe we would be thinking about you know, the angle of the sun into the scope. And I'm just kind of spitballing here. So uh, and 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 the you know the direction of the wind, the the shape of the terrain, um, the feedback of the dust in terms of, of of whether it's going up, down, left, or right, and the angle of the sunlight coming into the optic because we're starting to see that that influences the image that we're getting optically through the scope plus the wind and the mirage. Uh, I, you know I think um, if if there was a way for you to consciously register all of that data in the appropriate time frame, uh, it would be it would be good or it would be better than than not recognizing any of it and then just seeing the shot go, you know, some random place and being like, holy crap, I'm not sure what happened. Anyway, you get the idea. There's a lot involved in sight picture and it's not just, okay, I got whatever I want to shoot in my target, but it's saying, you know, what is the amount of relevant information that can contribute to my ability to successfully hit this target, and that's scalable. And I think that we're seeing more and more data from the highest level of shooters coming in through the scope than just, okay, my aim dot is on the target, I'm just gonna shoot. That sight picture grows in value as you grow in skill. So make a list of what are the things you're getting through your sight picture, 
And what aren't you? And ask your friends, what are you looking at through your scope in the relevant time frame? And how is that guiding your shot? That guidance and that list of details that you're actually getting, I bet, are not as complex as some of the higher-end shooters. And every time I talk to a high-end shooter, I'm asking them what, what kind of site picture information are they actually getting and using. And I hear some wild and crazy stuff. So I want you to go out and ask, you know, what, what are you actually getting through your site picture? And when people just jokingly say they hold left edge, right, they're probably not maximizing their performance as a shooter, as people that are saying, I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and this is how I use it. And if there was more information I could get, you know, how would I do that? Well, try changing your magnification. Try looking at other indicators or other pieces of information by asking other shooters what could contribute to a missed shot beyond fundamentals. What, what, or what could contribute to hitting or being more accurate and precise that could come through my sight picture? I think those are good questions that are worth asking, and it's a, it's a, it's a topic that's worth exploring, but you got to test it at the range and write down what you were looking for and, and what you think happened. And then over time, as we get data, we can see whether, whether there's a correlation or not. Anyway, till next time.